This is Cruise Control. Control. Your on-air automotive magazine with co-hosts Fred Staub and Les Cruise Jackson. Control. Everything you need to know about new and used cars. Control. Industry news. We'll fix or repair your car on the on air. air. Fasten your seatbelts and let us take the wheel. Now, your ride is about to begin Control. because you're on Cruise Control. Cruise Control. Cruise Control. That's right, your ride is about to begin. Whoops, wow, it's begun already. Well, welcome to Cruise Control Radio, everyone. I'm Fred Staub, and Les Jackson is the other voice you're about to hear. Hey, Les. Yes, indeed, we are ready to roll. And once again, Fred, there's just all kinds of stuff going on in the auto industry. It's not like they're sleeping. No, it's not. I mean, some of the plants may be sleeping, but it's funny you should mention that, Les, because we're going to get right to that. Some manufacturers are ready to restart uh, production, while others are still in a holding pattern. And uh, does Ferrari have the plan for the new normal when it comes to new plant operations? Meanwhile, over on this side of the pond, the UAW says, let's wait. Interesting. Well, yeah, I bet they have a good argument, but Hyundai has too many cars. Whoa. Uh, which, by the way, if you're in the market for a new car, uh, that's good for you. Yeah, these were all ordered before uh, the coronavirus hit. So uh, they've been coming into the ports. And let me uh, say this. Yes, Les, it will be a time to deal. Yeah. And Mini has to change the name of its new high-style wheels due to being just a little bit too timely. Hmm. Does that mean you don't like it? Uh, we'll, we'll explain. <laughs> <laughs> okay, and Range Rover shows its new plug-in hybrid, and Polestar has a match for the Model 3. Yeah, yeah, and the bumpers stay on this one. It's a new feature. Really? <laughs> Do the panels fit? Yeah, we'll talk about that. <laughs> Plus, we've got a great guest coming up. It's Mark Trossel, head of Ram Truck and Mopar Exterior Design. He'll talk about the future Ram Trucks and how FCA is developing new designer talents. It's very interesting, Les. There's a contest to design the future uh, of uh, the next Ram truck. And he won this contest when he was just starting out in his career. Now he's running it. So Mar we're going to get him in. And uh, Mark is going to talk about design and Ram trucks and what it takes to draw in perspective. Did you ever try drawing in well, perspective? I have tried. I, uh, I have a drawing deficiency. Okay. All that and more when we get rolling on this edition of Cruise Control Radio. Don't forget, check us out at cruisecontrolradio.com, where you can like us on Facebook, follow us on Twitter. It's all there, cruisecontrolradio.com. Wouldn't you like to be able to draw like these guys or like Chip Foose? I would Foose love or... to. I just have always uh, admired people who can who could just draw something, and it looks real yeah i can draw it flat but when it gets into the angles it's like wow why is the front of the car so much smaller than the back but maybe mark yeah, that's right can help me with that and help you with that so stay tuned to cruise control radio i'm fred staub he's les jackson we are gonna be right back so keep it buckled up 
Listen to the live feed of Cruise Control Radio every Saturday at 10 a.m. Eastern. Go to www.cruisecontrolradio.com to find out how to do it. Cruise Control. And welcome back to Cruise Control, your on-air automotive magazine. It's ours, too, because we're the guys who want to give you all the stories. And here's the problem, Fred. Right now, we have all these idle car factories. Yeah, a lot of them. uh, They're trying to say, okay, when do we start producing again? How do we go about it? Uh, What should we do? Well, Toyota is uh, going to slowly, at least they're planning to slowly restart production, I guess very similarly to when you ramp up with a new model. Yeah, they're, uh, they have a date of May 4th for this, and uh, they're talking about uh, restarting their plants in the United States and Canada. Uh, but uh, they've been cautioned, the head of manufacturing, Chris Reynolds, has cautioned that probably there won't be any... Uh, cars built that day and that uh, they're just really getting things in line to be able to start building again. Who knows if there'll be enough parts available? Who knows what's going on? Even firing up a plan again, as you know, there's a lot of work to fire it up again, right? That's right. That's right. It's analogous to, do you ever look at a construction site and the first person in there, if they have heavy equipment, is the oiler? That comes in and yes, oils all yes. the joints and all the backhoes and things like that. Think of a plant, all the mechanics uh, that are involved with that. And, uh, you know, you'd have to get all of that working again and tested, right? That's right. And it's uh, not something you can do in one day. It's not a big switch. Right. Uh, it's a whole lot of people uh, checking things out. Just the paint plant alone yeah, uh, it's very complex uh, with chemicals and all that stuff. So, um, but May May first or May fourth is only a week away. Yeah, well, and and you know the good news is Toyota and Lexus dealers have a pretty good inventory. Yeah, so and there have hasn't been a lot of people at the dealers uh, for the most part. I no. Mean, but as we talked about uh, last week on Cruise Control Radio, a lot of people are buying online. A lot of people are using electronic uh, signatures. Pretty much going to be the way things go in the future, I would imagine. But uh, Honda is going to wait wait it out a little bit. They began their production shutdown in North America on uh, March 23rd, and they're going to hold it another uh, two weeks. Uh, that's their idea. And uh, the UAW actually is opposed to this early May production restart. Uh, Now, that doesn't necessarily, I don't think that impacts um, Honda and Toyota at any of their plants. I'm not sure if they have UAW plants. Well, Honda plant in Ohio, it might. Okay. Um, Um, But they're opposing the early May start, saying it's too soon, it's too risky, we don't know what's going on. That's the problem. We really don't know how to avoid uh, workers getting sick. Now, you're not, you're close, but you're not super close, I guess, in an auto plant, right? Well, uh, the plants we've walked through, and we've walked through many, I generally don't see people close together. Right. Uh, maybe maybe eight, ten feet apart. Yeah. Well, Ferrari may have the idea on how to do this. Uh, they're talking about leading the way 
uh, in the auto industry at their Milan uh, factories, and uh, they are talking about uh, massive testing, screening, uh, tracking. If someone was sick, you know, who, where did they go? Who did they talk to? Uh, they're talking about an app that will buzz if the workers get too close. This is something Ford has talked about too. They've talked That's about right. the wristbands that would uh, buzz if you got too close. But uh, Ferrari saying they want to do it as soon as they can, and they want to be very ambitious. They're calling it their back-on-track plan. And uh, they're saying it, it's all testing, it's all screening, it's all um, you know, figuring out who's sick and uh, who's not sick, and, and then using all this, uh, these procedures, uh, probably masks, uh, they probably work with gloves already, so uh, to keep I, people they away. They do, yeah. It might be more handwork in a Ferrari. I would imagine that might bring more people together, wouldn't you say? Than uh, a... I would say so. Typically, the movies I've seen of them making Ferraris, they're usually two or three guys on one car. Uh, but, you know, the regular car plants, I, I'm sure Ferraris, this case too, they're class one clean areas. That's mm -hmm. not like a like an operating room but they're extremely clean and dust free right so you would think because of the airflow and all of that it'd be pretty safe to be there yeah well we uh we hope everyone's safe we hope they all get back into production but do it in the safe <laughs> safe way no, no yes. sense getting sick hey i'm fred Staub. he's les jackson you're listening to cruise control radio we will be right back after this for the latest updates on Cruise Control, follow us on Twitter at Cruise Control Rad. That's C-R-U-I-S-E-C-T-R-L-R-A-D. Cruise Control Rad. Cruise Control. Welcome back to Cruise Control. Fred and I were just talking about all these cars out there. Hyundai, as we mentioned at the beginning of the show, Fred, yeah. has too many cars. And yeah. the dealers don't want cars that they can't sell, which, but you are a dealer. You have a contract. <laughs> You're supposed to sell them. Yeah. This uh, is, uh, this is according to Reuters. They say, uh, there is currently an unknown large number of South Korean built Hyundai models sitting in U.S. ports because dealerships here are in no rush to buy them with sales down, inventories rising and there's simply no room for them on the lots. Well, well, uh, interesting. If they're in the ports, I, then the dealers don't actually take possession of them. Yeah, I guess. Uh, I get. Can you order a Hyundai? I don't think you can. Sure, but but it would sure. take a long time, right? Oh, I would imagine months at yeah. least. Months. I I think we talked about on on the show before that most people probably don't order cars unless it's like a Corvette or GT 500 or something like that, a Bentley. Um, they, most people take, take what's, what's available. Right. Right. But I, again, the Santa Fe, which is made here in Alabama, mm -hmm. uh, you could order that. Yeah. You could and order that. And, uh, some of the other cars are made in Alabama and, um, but so what happens here? Is it is it a fire sale on these cars or what? Well, uh, let's face it. Um, in order for the supply 
to meet the demand, and there is no demand at the moment, uh, when the economy starts opening up, you're going to have to offer all sorts of incentives. I mean, how can you not? Yeah. And just to answer your question, uh, or maybe it's the question you didn't pose, uh, in Alabama, they build the Hyundai Sonata, the Elantra, and the Santa Fe. So a uh-huh. big, big, uh, yeah. big portion of their lineup is built in Alabama. So, uh, yes. yeah. So if, if you want to order a hybrid, okay, you're probably going to have to just take what's available. But Sonata is a wonderful car. I would order exactly what I want. Yeah. And a lot of these cars are Hyundai Konas, Hyundai Kona EV, Veloster, Tucson's. You know, uh, I think what that machine was in operation, I don't know when they set up a shipment of cars uh, on those big ships that come over, but uh, it was probably all underway. And sure. uh, they couldn't they couldn't stop it. Yeah. And those ships typically carry three to four thousand cars. Hmm. So once it's moving, <laughs> it's moving. Yeah. <laughs> it's well, a- well, let's move over to Mini because they had, if you recall, on their electric car that they call the SE, uh, you and I talked about their unique wheels. I can't really describe them. They have, other than they have three sort of rectangular uh, shapes and then a another larger rectangular shape that is not open. Yeah, it's very asymmetric. I, I find it disturbing myself. <laughs> well, I don't. I don't <laughs> like non-symmetrical things. Yeah, I, I would agree with you. It it is annoying, but probably that's not the problem for them. The problem is these optional wheels, seventeen-inch optional wheels, were called the. Corona spokes. <laughs> well, there's a there's a uh, unfortunate choice of words. Yeah, and uh, to Mini's credit, they're going to change them to power stroke or sp- power spoke, I should say, power spoke from uh, Corona spoke. So, <laughs> talk about bad timing. There was a Ford Corona, wasn't it? There Not was a, a Toyota. Toyota a Corona. Toyota Corona. Yeah, imagine uh, up being until the- two thousand. Imagine having one of those being the guy oh, that had boy. that. Well, and there wasn't there a, a cigar called a Corona? And of course, beer too. There was uh, that beer. time when some people thought it caused coronavirus, which is unfortunate. Very strange. <laughs> yeah. But uh, anyway, that they will go ahead with those wheels as kind of strange as they are, uh, but they will now be known uh, as the power spoke. So not the B spoke. Which is good. Not the B-spoke and not the power stroke, which is a diesel engine. <laughs> yeah. Can you get this power spoke on the power stroke? I don't think so. They're too small. <laughs> I don't think the bolt It's just pattern... a strange looking wheel. I would not want that wheel if I bought that car. I think that's probably why they made it optional. They're like, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> that's, so. that's right. Let's talk about a couple of new models here because there are, are always new models coming out no matter what. Uh, and uh, the new Range Rover Evoque plug-in hybrid is going to be badged as the P300E model. And uh, it will be a mild hybrid. Uh, it will have a 197 horsepower, 1.5 liter, three-cylinder 
in engine, I guess you would say ingenium, ingenium. Close enough. Yeah, close enough. It's one of those <laughs> marketing words that are hard to say. Gasoline engine with a hundred and seven horsepower electric motor integrated into the rear axle, bringing the total output to a very nice three hundred and four horsepower, uh, which will be sent through an eight-speed automatic transmission. Uh, I happen to think that the the styling of the uh, plug-in Evoke looks just has the right little accent features and it looks high tech okay yeah i i would say so it it looks high tech without being like the obvious let's make all the trim blue and all right. that type of thing yeah right. it just it, it's it's kind of um tastefully done but you know it's different yeah i i think this will be great for their lineup i really do and uh it will i'm not sure when we're going to see this uh, in the uh, U.S., well, but you can I eventually. Can promise you, see. it won't be in the next sixty days or so. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, exactly, exactly. Um, over at Polestar, which is uh, related uh, to Volvo, of course, that is their performance brand. Uh, it's sort of like uh, Volvo's AMG, basically. Uh, that's right. They have the Polestar 2 electric vehicle. That's going to start at about $61,200. It's a fastback. It delivers 275 miles of range and a very nice 408 horsepower. Uh, it's got the same uh, underpinnings as the Volvo XC40. Very angular looking, very high belt line. Um very modern looking wheels, modern looking front yep. end on this. They say it's, it's, it's going to take neat, on the model it, three. It's neat looking. It is I, neat looking. You know, normally I don't like all the angular trim, but they, it just looks like you want to drive it. Yeah. And it's, uh, the, it's coming out that $61,200 price is 3000 less than planned. And it does not include up to uh, a $9,500 uh, in-state and federal tax incentives that uh -huh. it would be eligible for. But uh, this could be a super fun car. Now, of course, the Pole Star 1 was a limited-run hybrid, and that had a $155,000 price tag, which... Uh, That's a little, little pricey. Yeah. So uh, the 2021 Pole Star 2 is critical tool to achieving uh, Polestar's uh, U.S. sales, according to uh, Polestar U.S. CEO Gregor Hembro. Uh, he told uh, Automotive News that last month. Um, and this is supposedly competition for the Model 3, but it looks much better than it, doesn't it? It looks much better. Again, uh, you know, we, we tend to jump on Tesla, but the fact is, you know, Volvo can produce all you, all they want. Yeah. Um, and I think it's just a more handsome car. Yeah. I mean, we're going to, in our next segment, talk about design uh, when we uh, have Mark Trossel on, who's head of Ram, Truck, and Mopar Exterior Design. But Weirdly, even with an electric car, I still think it should have a grill. Maybe that's I agree. My eye muscle memory. I agree. Otherwise, it looks like it's not finished. But 
Hey, we're not finished at Cruise Control Radio. I'm Fred Staub. He's Les Jackson. When we come back, we're going to talk design with FCA's Mark Trossel, head of Ram Truck and Mopar Exterior Design. Stay tuned. Cruise Control Radio goes live every Saturday starting at 10 a.m. Eastern. To listen, click the link on our homepage. Go to www.cruisecontrolradio.com. Cruise Control. And welcome back to Cruise Control Radio, your on-air automotive magazine. I'm Fred Staub. He's Les Jackson. And we are taking you on a ride around the automotive industry. We're glad you're along for that ride. Don't forget to check us out at cruisecontrolradio.com where you can like us on Facebook, follow us on Twitter. It's all there, cruisecontrolradio.com. Our cool factor is going up here now, Les. Whenever we have a designer on the show, I always think like it makes us look cool because these guys You're right. are always You're right. the coolest it, guys out it's there. It's like having the guy come into the room who's a whole perfect, perfect dressed, you know, great suit. He just... He stops everybody's eye, whereas you and I come in and they're like <laughs> nobody <you're> notices. Invisible. <laughs> yeah, no, no, <laughs> That's is, that, right. is that a pole holding up the roof or, That's or right. yeah? But uh, we have Mark Trossel, who's head of Ram Truck and Mopar Exterior Design, uh, and Mark has got a great story uh, with us. But uh, let's first welcome him to the show. Welcome to the show, Mark. Thanks, thanks, guys. Thanks for uh, thanks for having me. It's always good talking to you. Yeah, it is always good to have a designer on on board. And um, let's talk a little bit about this contest that you have. It's called the FCA Drive for Design. Uh, you can check it out. Uh, you have to enter this by May first, by the way. Uh, it's www.fcadrivefordesign.com. This is a great story because I always, I mean, it's a great story in the sense that FCA is doing this and getting new designs and getting high school students thinking about, hey, maybe I could work for a uh, vehicle company someday and design something. But the great, greatest part of the story is you won this contest way back when, right? I did. I did. And it, it really started my design career. And just a little bit of background on it. I'll, I'll never forget. I was the kid in in you know math class uh drawing cars in my math book all you know, right so I really you know i loved cars <laughs> you know love the artistic side of things but um i will never forget my high school guidance counselor uh talking to them and they said well that's that's not car design that's engineering so and you don't have the math grades because you just draw cars in your math book <laughs> so uh, <laughs> so and you know fortunately i i knew i i had found out about you know car, you know, automotive styling, if you will. And there was a car design competition at the Detroit Autorama when I was in high school and I entered it and I won it. Wow. And it gave me a, a pretty small scholarship to attend the College for Creative Studies, which is a car design school in Detroit. Very, very good school. Uh, and it really kicked off my, my design career and, you know, gave me the confidence to, uh, to, to move forward with it. Wow. So you were no. almost discouraged a little bit saying, ah, it's just a math problem, but really you saw car design as art. Exactly. Because there is two sides to it. There is definitely the engineering side and then there is the artistic side, the, you know, the conceptual side where we, you know, create the way the vehicle looks, the way the interior looks, you know, that, 
you know, working with the clay sculptors and that to, to you know, sculpt uh, the vehicle. Uh, so it was, uh, yeah, it was definitely a, an interesting time. And so I, when I, after I had graduated, I liked to watch uh, the winners and see how things were progressing. And unfortunately, the contest had gone away. So I put it on my bucket list to bring it back cool. because I wanted to try and reach uh, young people, high school students that were similar, that are similar to me and that they have a passion for cars and drawing uh, and give them the awareness of the field of automotive design because it is a relatively small field. Now, uh, I have a, two quick questions for you. <laughs> First, what was it that you designed that you won the contest with? Uh, and it's then, funny, I still have the sketch. I have the sketch, and it was a, it was a little black, you know, sports car of some sort. I look at it now and you know think, oh my gosh, it's absolutely horrible. But <laughs> at the time, it was decent, good enough, I'm sure. And the other thing is, uh, obviously, once you've become a car designer, uh, you've had to basically become almost an engineer yourself because. Uh, whether you like it or not, and I'm sure you do like it, uh, you have to design knowing all of the engineering constraints, right? Absolutely. And I think that is what makes, to me, makes automotive design so fun and, and how much I enjoy it because I do enjoy the technical side, you know, the manufacturing side mm -hmm. of it. And the more that a, a, an automotive designer, you know, is aware of those, you know, of that side of the, the field, the better a designer um, one can be. Uh, so I have a lot of respect for, you know, not only my engineering counterparts, but, um, you know, the, the craft in general. And I think, you know, being able, good design is a combination of, of form and function. And, you know, to, you know, understand both sides of those, I think, lets you do great things. Yeah, it, it makes no sense to design a car that can never be built. I mean, unless, you know, you just want to do a design study or whatever, but obviously you're in the business to build design things that will be built and sold. Exactly. So, <laughs> uh, yeah, it's, you know, just to, just to build on that a little bit that, you know, that to me the, you know, as a car designer, it, it wants to have a function, you know, whatever, whether it's a Ram or a Dodge, it wants to have a function, but it still wants to have that cool factor that when you get out of it and you walk, you're walking away from it in a parking lot, right. you look back at it. <laughs> right. And and you have to take into account all the lighting, how will it look on certain days at certain angles, and uh, yeah, it's it's yeah. it's it is sort of a math problem and a design problem. So that's pretty cool. But yeah. tell us how this drive for design contest work uh, works. Some of the nuts and bolts sure. behind it. Sure. Uh, so this year we're asking high school students grades and through twelve oh, to darn, design too old. a future Ram truck. <laughs> And uh, the uh, the idea is, you know, we're looking for them to, you know, we're looking for young people to tell us, you know, what do they think that the Ram of the future should look like? Um, all the details, as you mentioned, can be found on fcadriverdesign.com. Um, the the program is is really, um, you know, we've we've had great success. This is our eighth year doing it, and I'm happy to say that one of the former winners, one of our early winners. Um, actually interned uh, this past summer with us in, in my design studio, and we are hiring him. He already has a job offer, and he accepted. Wow. So when he graduates here, 
he's going to come work for us. So to me, it's, it's showing that it's working. You know, we connected with him when he was in high school. He went to design college, and, and now he's coming to work with us. So wow. uh, it's, uh, it's really a pretty cool. special thing for us. Yeah, well, hey, internships do are important, and they pay results. And boy, that that person must be very, very happy to know that their career path is off and running. So um, I think, you know, one of the things about, we were talking a little bit, uh, Mark, and we're talking to Mark Trossel, head of Ram Truck and Mopar Exterior Design. You know, the neat thing about this is you don't have to have a big computer system or a lot of graphics programs. You need basically a pencil and a drawing pad, which you can pick up for like about five bucks, right? Absolutely. Absolutely. Some some printer paper and a pencil will, will <laughs> let you enter, you know? Well, well. <laughs> we're looking for that creativity, the, the pencil, the paper, you know, the idea, that passion and emotion, um, you know, of a, of a vehicle. And we, we'd like to see, you know, how well can someone put that on, uh, on a piece of paper. You know, one of the things I always thought was interesting, and it's a probably overused topic, uh, you know, or, or phrase, but making something look like it's moving while sitting still. And two things for me do that are cars and guitars. They have an emotion just sitting there, you know, and whether it's the colors or the lines or the, you know, you look at a Les Paul guitar, all the, the, the swirls and moves on it. Uh, I mean, what does that play into what you're doing when you think about designing a new vehicle? Yeah, absolutely. You know, and I, and, and I, I love the, the connection between guitars and, and, you know, automotive design, because, you know, those are, you know, they both have a function, uh, but they also both want to, you know, convey a style to them and, and say something about, you know, what it is. Um, and we try and put, no matter what type of vehicle we design, we try and put, you know, an, a certain emotion or aesthetic feel into that vehicle. And, you know, as a designer, that all translates from, you know, it's even though we're in the age of computer design and, and so on, it still starts with that, that magic sketch of that hand, that pencil and paper um, doing that little napkin sketch. It all still starts there, and that comes from that emotion of that designer. Yeah, yeah, just an idea or even just a part of a car less. And, and... That's right. Where, where, do you, where do you start? Uh, you know, when, when you have to, let's say you're going to make another version of uh, uh, the Challenger, for instance. Um, mm-hmm. do, where do you start? Do you, do you just uh, start with the front end and kind of get a concept of the grill? Or do you go on the side? How do you, how do you just get going? Yeah, a good question. And I think the, the, the most you know, an important ingredient is understanding the vehicle and the customer. You know, just making sure that you know, you know, what, what really resonates. Why does the Challenger do so well? And, you know, to, to redesign that, you know, you, you'd want to keep that same emotional connection and qualities to it uh, that are in there. And, and it all starts with, with a holistic sketch, you know, definitely the face of any vehicle, uh, you know. We're going to take a break and we'll be right back on Cruise Control Radio. Cruise Control. And welcome back to Cruise Control Radio, your on-air automotive magazine with Fred Staub and Les Jackson. We are glad you're along for the ride. Check us out at cruisecontrolradio.com. 
and like us on Facebook. You, all the links are right there. We are having a great conversation with Mark Trossel, who's head of Ram Truck and Mopar Exterior Design. We heard about this great FCA Drive for Design contest. If you are a uh, high school student in grades 10 through 12, uh, you can enter this contest and it basically could get you started uh, on a, a life of design. So you would go to www.fcadrivefordesign.com. The great story is Mark won the contest uh, and it led to his career and now he's kind of paying it forward. So so that's a good thing. But let's, let's dive into some design, Mark. And um, you know, you're head of uh, the uh, design for Ram Truck and Mopar Exterior Design. You have a couple of vehicles in there that probably make a big challenge for you because most people know what a Ram Truck looks like and they expect those cues. And most people know what what a, uh, a Challenger looks like, right? Uh, and sure. so how do you update as a designer? How do you update those designs with making it fresh, making it modern, but not alienating people that said, oh, I like the way the old one looks? Yeah, and, and I think it starts because we've we've had a good lineage on both of those, you know, using those two vehicles as examples. There's a good foundation. And, and you know, to me, automotive design can, can become very trendy very quick. And mm-hmm. um, the more, you know, trends that are put onto, say, a new vehicle, I think the the shelf life of it um, is is shorter. So we try and do things that we consider ourselves to be timeless with. And both the Ram and the Challenger fall into those categories where the updates that we make to them, um, we don't have to constantly throw, uh, use the term, the, chick, the, the kitchen sink at it. There's mm-hmm. subtle updates uh, to make it look more modern um, without having to reinvent it every time, keeping that identity. Is is most of the redesign these days uh, not not for a brand new uh, version, but for year to year? Is most of the redesign for the interior? Uh, it, it it depends. We try and always couple both exterior updates and interior updates together, so that way when we do do a freshening, um, you know, both you you'll the customer will you know have updates both on the inside and, and the exterior of it as well. So we try and do both of those uh, at the same time. Hmm. What I is- was just thinking, the reason, sorry, Fred, the reason I asked that is I was thinking every year you seem to get more and more and more electronics and tele- uh, telematics into the cars. And as the designer, you have to figure a way to make all that integrated uh, and of course, Absolutely. the engineers are telling you you can't do that. Uh, so. <laughs> Absolutely, the you know the user interface side of an interior design these days is is more complex than ever with the, you know the electronics. Um, and, you know, customer features that can be inside of it. So uh, absolutely, we're always trying to figure out how do we package those on the inside in a, you know, ergonomically and aesthetically pleasing way. Now, we have some new challenges for trucks because we're moving into the electric world. And we briefly talked about this offline when you came on. Uh, some manufacturers, manufacturers who shall be Tesla, actually, uh, eliminate, <laughs> eliminate yeah. grills stay, completely. Stay um, and to me, maybe it's because I'm 
been around cars for a while, I think the grill is one of the key design points. And if it's not there, it's like, oh, well, you haven't finished building this. <laughs> the grill is missing, <laughs> you know? Uh, oh, and, and so I wanted to get your take on that. And also uh, talking about different truck concepts, the Cybertruck, which left everyone's jaw uh, slack, Maybe not for the best of reasons. Uh, when I talk about that, I'm talking about journalist jaws. Just wanted to get your take on those things. Sure. Uh, you know, I think, you know, definitely a grill to me, you know, creates a face of a vehicle. And it is important to have a face, an expression, that identity. Uh, I think some manufacturers have, have obviously walked away from it because it, and they've probably made it their face, if you will. Uh, aerodynamics play a huge role in, you know, the, the, the shape and the, and the, the face of a vehicle as well. When you have air intakes and things on the front, it can actually cause drag or vehicle, which in turn will hurt your fuel economy. So, but I, I agree. I think that the identity of a vehicle, whether it needs a functional grill or not, it needs some type of strong, uh, character to, to give it identity up front. Mm -hmm. And for the second part of the question, the cyber truck, <laughs> really, yeah. really, uh, I mean, a lot of us thought like, well, that's just a design study, a rough shape and they'll fill in the blanks, but, uh, who knows? <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Well, you know, uh, uh, interesting concept. It'll be uh, interesting to see, you know, how does it translate to a, a functional uh, a production vehicle? Um, you know, uh, uh, depends on uh, what the, the truck is, is built for. As we know, you know, trucks are a lot of people have uh, long distance hauling, um, you know, towing that they do. Uh, so it'll be interesting to see, you know, how the truck market continues to to evolve into more lifestyle vehicles um, um, versus, you know, um, just things kind of uh, built for, you know, doing construction and, and uh, those types of things. So uh, the, the truck was definitely a, an interesting thing. It'll be great to see how they uh, continue to evolve it. You know, one thing I found interesting, and I think it would be talk about a design study, uh, the Bollinger with the retractable cab. I thought that was kind of interesting. And I wouldn't it be cool, Les, if you could make a pickup where you could slide the whole cab forward? It'd have to be electric so you didn't have a firewall. Yeah, it'd be neat. So you could go, well, you know, I'm going to decrease the crew cab nature of the uh, of the truck and then extend my bed because I have something long to carry or... I, I hear, I think, Mark, that's your pen writing this down, isn't it? <laughs> yeah. I'm sketching I, it out I right think, now. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I think Mark is thinking, that's never going to work. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> it would be interesting. It was, but, it, it's sort of a take on, remember the drop gate, the mid gate that um, the Avalanche had? Yeah, but, it, yeah, but a, yeah, another yeah. version of it, yeah. a little bit more complex. But, I mean... What do you think future pickup trucks will be like, Mark? It's hard to say, right? I, yeah, you know, I think, you know, electrification is definitely going to play a, a role in, in the, the future of all automobiles, uh, you know, truck and passenger car. But I think that with the popularity of 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 trucks these days and, and pickups that, you know, you're going to see manufacturers continue to 
experiment and you know get creative just as you're saying you know there's i think lots of uh, different ways we can engineer and design the beds and the the cabs and the integration of those two so um i'm actually excited by, by it because i look at i look at these things as opportunities to uh create uh, neat design solutions yeah, maybe you could even make it like those old steel-carrying trucks where you could narrow the cab if you have something really long. Remember those trucks that used to carry oh, yeah. the... <laughs> those things. Yeah. I'm building something that will only cost like $600,000 and uh, will be very complex. Yeah. And have a very narrow, <laughs> yeah. narrow range of, of utility, but yeah. you'll love it. Yeah. Once again, that contest, uh, if you want to enter it, uh, you have to be a high school, U.S. high school student in grades 10 through 12. There are going to be three winners selected. The prizes are amazing. That summer experience, I wish I could lie about my age and enter uh, because it would be amazing. www.fcadrivefordesign.com. Mark, we're going to have to have you back because it goes too fast. But it's time for me to say I'm Fred Staub. I'm Les Jackson. We're going to see you down the road. Bye. Cruise Control Radio is your on-air automotive magazine. Go to www.cruisecontrolradio.com for more information.